This is the Podcast Inc. production. Booyah! This is the moment podcasting fans listening around the world have been waiting for. Coming to you not so live from a listening device of your choice. It's time! Podcasting out of this corner, a mixed martial talker, holding no professional record. He stands at six feet one and one half inches tall, weighing in at whatever he feels like, hailing out of Toronto, Ontario, Canada, presenting the sometimes angry, always funny, Self-proclaimed podcasting champion of the world, Steve Fingerstyles! So, welcome to another rendition of the podcast. I am here once again, always again, and brought to you by Black Belt CBD. If you're into CBD products or you want to try CBD products for the very first time, go to blackbeltcbdproducts.com. Use promo code THEPODCAST25. You'll get 25% off. They ship within North America. This is more geared towards your athlete, but it still also works for your everyday blue-collar worker or for anyone who has aches and pains. has very low THC, less than 1%, so you will not get high. Don't worry about that. And plus... It's rub-ons and ointments and stuff like that, so you're not really ingesting it anyway. So it works wonders. It's great. So if you want to check that out, please do so today. And if you're into nerd culture and you like collectibles, visit firstrow.ca. This is a Canadian company I love to support based out of Winnipeg, Manitoba. They ship within North America, and everything you see there is in Canadian funds, so it's at a little bit cheaper rate for you American listeners. And if you use the promo code THEPODCAST20, you'll get 20% off. And they update daily, and they have literally everything from sports memorabilia, signed collectibles, wrestling figures, wrestling cards, anything you literally need or want, it is there. And if you want to support me directly, go visit my merchandise store at tpublic.com. But if you scroll down on your device, it's embedded right there in today's description. Just click on the link. It takes you directly to my page. I got everything from hoodies to t-shirts to mugs to travel mugs to phone cases anything you need or want that supports me directly and i know times are rough and i've been saying it for a while and if you don't want to support any of those things it's totally understandable but the easiest thing you could do to support any podcaster nowadays is rate subscribe review on all major platforms especially apple Podcasts, stitcher TuneIn, soundcloud spotify and iHeartRadio. so this week's guest is a fellow podcaster who produces such shows as highway to helms what a Rush, 83 Weeks, and The Arn Show, to name just a few. He is also the co-host of The Raven Effect and Keeping It 100, the man behind the Creative Control Network, as they say, the Philly entrepreneur, Joe Feeney. How's it going, man? Thank you for uh, such a wonderful introduction. No, thank you for coming aboard. As mentioned, man, you have a lot of things on your plate, don't you? I do, but uh, it's it's a good thing. It's good to be busy, especially in times like this. Uh, I have friends who uh, kind of joke with me with everyone being, you know, uh, shut in and locked in and trying to go out as little as possible. 
friends of mine that say, well, what has really changed for you? Right. Well, you know, you, you got I kind of got a point there because I've been able to work from home and, you know, so uh, although it's, we're all having our difficulties during this time and, you know, I think uh, there's been some, some issues. You listen to some podcasts that used to be covered with sponsors. Now they're not so much. You know, I think people are losing a little bit of money even in this industry. Yep. But uh, as far as the indoors uh, aspect of it, I was well prepared to stay in for weeks because <laughs> I'm kind of a, a homebody anyway and work from home. So No, I hear you. Like, Luckily, I still get to go to work on a regular. So for me, my life hasn't really changed that much other than there being no traffic when I go to work. But for podcasting wise, I hate to say it, but in one way it sucks because, like you said, the sponsors aren't coming in. No one's buying anything, so it's tough that way. But you're getting a whole shitload of content. You're doing so much shit that you couldn't have done before, and you're keeping yourself sane and busy, right? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. It's it's worked out well for us on keeping them under with Conan because now those guys, Conan obviously can't go to Mexico to to run shows. He's not right. traveling to MLW or Impact right now, so he's home. Disco uh, is is home in Georgia at his mom's, you know, keeping an eye on her and stuff during this time. He's not working. We all have free time. So we've been able to do a lot more content for the Patreon, and, and so our Patreon numbers have gone way up this month, which uh trying to make a positive out of a negative, you know. Yeah, exactly, which you, you always have to do during these tough times. So you mentioned uh, keeping a 100 with Conan. How did all this start? When did you get started there? Because obviously you didn't start off from the beginning. So what was your journey to get onto keeping a 100? I was... um a fan of the MLW radio podcast uh, years ago. And uh, probably I was listening to those guys, you know, 2012, 2013, 2014. And um, I was uh, working at the time managing a warehouse. So, and I was the the top guy in the warehouse. And sometimes I had a partner, sometimes I had some temps, but mostly it was just me. So I can have headphones in. So I was listening to a lot of podcasts. Mostly MLW radio was my favorite. Conan was on that. And uh, it actually kind of inspired me to start a podcast eventually, and my goal was to have a similar show to um, MLW Radio's show called The Writer's Room, which was in their VIP section, and it it really just interviewed wrestling writers and talked booking and angles and stuff, which is what I'm interested in. So Mm -hmm. when I started Creative Control, that was my goal, to get a lot of creative minds on there. I've been lucky enough to have Conan, Raven, Eric Bischoff, Bruce Pritchard, Vince Russo, you know, Disco, a lot of these guys that have worked in creative and around it, Ed Ferrara. Uh, and and many more Tom Pritchard House Snow, right. so that that was my goal to have a similar show where, where we discussed creativity and booking and angles and characters and stuff. And so that's how my podcast started. I was able to have free time to do a podcast because the job that I mentioned uh, they closed the warehouse. So I found that's myself right. out of work. Right. I had already returned to school. I was trying to find something, trying to find my way out of being stuck in a warehouse for the rest of my life. So. Mm-hmm. Things kind of actually, you know, fell into place. I started the podcast after I attended a, a seminar at the Monster Factory and started making some connections in wrestling that way. Mm-hmm. And I got on keeping it 100 because I was um, on and off in contact with Conan about trying to get him to be a guest on my show. And oh, of okay. course, anyone, anyone listening who listens to Keeping It 100 knows that I, you know, he blew me off for a while. And there's no way he's going to do a stranger's podcast. He's just not going to do it. Sure. But it kept my name fresh in his mind. And having guys like Vince Russo and Disco on my podcast, I think, made me familiar to them as well, and Kevin Kleinrock. So when Conan was looking for a a new producer to replace Kevin Gill, who started the show as the producer and the third Mm -hmm. co-host, for some reason he must have thought of me. He knew I was hosting my own show. He knew I was producing my own show. And I guess uh, I've always assumed that Disco probably put in a good word for me, and maybe Russo did as well, and Kleinrock, and... Just let them contacted me and saying, hey, would you be able to do this? And at first it was just uh, mostly 
producing. I didn't talk too much on the show, which was fine by me. I right. was just happy to be involved. It was a paid gig and all that. So, mm-hmm. and uh, I was making connections as far as booking their guests and all that. And it just it just became a matter of it, it came about because Conan wanted to replace Kevin Gill, and he knew my name from other people, and that I had that I had some success podcasting and hosting. So he reached out and said, "Would you want to replace him?" Or, or actually, at the beginning, it was just, "Do you want to pro- replace him as producer? He's going to stay as a third co-host." And I oh, said, "That's no okay. problem. I don't need to be on the air. It's not it's not important to me. Sure. Really, still, to be honest with you, which sounds funny, but um, so that's what happened. He needed a replacement. He didn't like the way uh, KG was producing the show. That those guys had some tension between them. So he needed a replacement, and he, and he knew my name and knew of me. So he reached out. Oh, that's pretty cool. So, okay, before we keep going on with Keeping the 100, before you started podcasting, did you have any knowledge of podcasting? Did you know what you were doing, or was it all just go as you learn or learn as you go? I had no knowledge of podcasting. I had no knowledge of hosting, uh, entertaining, producing, editing, recording, uploading. Right. None of that stuff. I I just started doing it. And some of my early podcasts on Creative Control are an example of what it sounds like when you have no idea what you're doing because I was recording over the phone. Okay. Uh, I was nervous. I, I tried to do a radio voice. I find them very embarrassing, actually. A friend of mine, he's like, I'm listening I'm listening to your catalog from the beginning. I'm like, dude, I'm about to go in there and delete the first two or three years because I, I hate it. You know, I'm, I'm, I became much more comfortable through Keeping It 100, actually. I learned a lot from being thrown in the deep end on that show as well because even when Conan brought me on, I wasn't that skilled yet. Because all I did was record my own show and mess with it a little bit, maybe add music, whatever. But I'd never really been put to the test. I didn't have to edit multiple segments. I didn't mm. have to splice them together. I didn't have to do a bunch of things right. that I learned from working for, for Conan. So, no, when I started, man, I had nothing. I never did a radio show, not even in you know high school or right. college radio or anything like that. I never. I just, I just gave it a shot. And I think that... Uh, Man, I started in September 2014 with Creative Control, okay. and I started with Keeping It 100 uh, with Conan in February 2017. I started with Raven Show last year, and I, I think at this point I kind of got a handle on it, right. but at the beginning it was totally new to me, and I was just figuring it out as I went. Oh, that's so cool to hear. I love stories like that, especially, I know a lot of people in the industry or business look down on people like that, but you know what? It is what it is, and as long as you rise up and talent is talent, as they say, right? Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Okay, let's go back to Keep Me 100. For people who don't know, it's a pretty unique show. Like, you guys have segments, which is unlike most podcasts. You have, like, a mailbag, the Mass Republic Minute, music breaks even, obviously guests. And my absolute favorite segment of the whole show is the hand job of the week that Conan <laughs> drops every single week. And, okay, for people who don't know, I know I laid a lot of shit on there, but if people have never heard the show, how do you get them to listen to this show? Well, if you're uh, a pro wrestling fan... And you like listening to podcasts, whether it's driving or in the gym or even at home, cleaning, cooking, whatever. Right. People do all kinds of stuff when they listen to podcasts. And, uh, you know, it is different, like you said. If you're tired of hearing, you know, someone review uh, WrestleMania 10 for the 9,000th time, and, and that includes people in and out of wrestling, or, mm-hmm. or reviewing Raw every week, or uh, AEW at this point. Sure. Or if you're tired of hearing the same interviews with a guy that was in ECW and he's going to answer the same 10 questions because no one comes up with different questions, you know, very rarely. It's just a lot of stuff sounds the same. So I think when Conan came up with this concept, when he left MLW Radio initially to join the Jericho Network, the Keeping It 100 was the first thing that Jericho brought aboard his network. Hmm. And it's because, you know, Conan had such a unique idea for a show, which was like you said, we come in, we do the intro, 
you know, there's different topics in there. Sometimes it's wrestling, sometimes it's not. Sometimes it's politics. Right. Sometimes it's, you know, did we see, uh, what, what movies do we see this weekend? Yeah. All right, let's talk about that. We'll jump out, we'll, we'll have a song, we'll do the listener mailbag, which is, you know, uncensored questions, these guys will answer. <laughs> I'll, I'll plug it real quick, you get k100questions at gmail.com. You ever want to ask yeah. a wrestling question to guys like Conan and Disco, who have been in and around wrestling since the early 90s, there you go, that's, what, that's the point of that segment. Mm-hmm. We've had great guests, like, you know, even guys that I've mentioned that I've had on Creative Controls, well, Eric Bischoff, Bruce Pritchard, Vince Russo, Jim Ross has been on the show recently, Chris Jericho. Don Callis from Impact. We've had Daniel Cormier uh, from from the UFC and mm-hmm. many, many others. I mean, the catalog is so long. You should have Shane Helms on all the time. And, you know, uh, Juventud Guerrero was on. He had a segment for a while. Frankie Kazarian currently does have a segment. Yeah. And it's just the best way I could describe it is if you want something different. And it's a perfect mix, I think. We see a lot of emails from, from, from guys that listen. And they're kind of like uh, lapsed wrestling fans. Mm. So not watching the TV so much. Any wrestling news or views that they're getting, they're getting from this show. It's right. just enough wrestling to for the current fans that, that consume everything. But it's also just enough wrestling for the people that don't watch it anymore but still kind of want to hear about it. Right. So it's a lot for it's, – it's different because we're not strictly talking about wrestling, but we will answer wrestling questions. There's a lot of comedy in there. There's a lot of ball breaking. There's sports. Mm-hmm. There's politics. There's pop culture and movies. Like you said, there's – a few songs every week that we throw in, make it kind of like a radio show. Yeah. So if I was to sell it, I would just say, it's if you want something that's not your everyday podcast and you're into, you know, kind of ball breaking humor and pro wrestling and music and movies, you know, this this would be the show for you. And those guys, believe me, Conan and Disco have been breaking each other's balls for thirty years, and they know how to be entertaining together. You know, I'm kind of just along for the ride. So those guys are uh, very entertaining, a very entertaining duo, probably the best one in, in podcasting right now, I would say. No, no, without a shadow of a doubt, because I'm obviously a listener, and even though the episodes are usually from two to two and a half hours, and I'm one of those guys that always harps, I can't listen to more than like an hour, an hour and a half is like my limit. But for some odd reason, your guys are the only podcast I listen to in that length because it just flies by. It doesn't even feel like you're listening all that because it's true. The the conversation are organic. You guys are just shooting the shit, breaking balls. And and if you're a loyal listener, you're sort of part of the inside jokes and all that stuff. So you feel comfortable. You know what I mean? Yeah, and uh, it's funny because when I started, the show was could be three hours. It was long, right? <laughs> and eventually, Conan kind of figured out, like, man, it doesn't have to be this long. Let's try to get it down to two and a half hours. And then okay. it was, let's try to get it to 2.15. Let's try to get it to two. And he's always been like, man, do you think it's too long? And what we found was anytime we would experiment and make it like an hour and 40 minutes or something, the first thing we would get is tweets from people going, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> what are you guys, vacation? Like what happened this week, you know? Right. So we, I think the sweet spot is like 2.15. This this past week was a little bit longer because the disco list was on there. Okay. But uh, yeah, I mean, that's the deal. We we try to, you know, two two to two and a half hours, five segments-ish, a few songs. And mm-hmm. like you said, a big, a big part of it is definitely the camaraderie between the crew and the listeners who have been, a lot of them have been there, like yourself, for, for three and a half, four years. What I think it's been, uh, last year was three. So yeah, almost four years. Mm-hmm. And even people that come along now, it's kind of like, it's not even like you're joining the middle of a conversation. You just get it. Right. And the listeners that we have, you know, that seems to be it. They're loyal and they get it. They get what we're doing. No, most obviously. And, Okay, you said you have unfiltered questions sent to the mailbag now. Obviously, you don't let all the stupid questions through because there must be some crazy, idiotic questions that people just want to ask. Can you share any of those that haven't made it on air? (laughs) 
There's been almost almost nothing that doesn't make it on air. Oh, the are only, you serious? Okay. The only exceptions have been if I find it like completely you can't understand it. It's too oh, many misspellings. Gotcha. Or okay. like big run on sentence, or some people send in a few paragraphs and it just there's no question. <laughs> it's like yeah, the mailbag. You got to ask a question. Right. That's the whole point. And and sometimes if there's not a question, then I'll, I just won't bother with with the email. But ninety nine point nine percent of the time. Whatever comes through goes to these guys. So they've been asked things, you know, Disco's been asked about having to lose the Jacqueline in WCW, or Conan's mm-hmm. been asked about the incident in Mexico with psychosis, where psychosis, right. you know, costed him outside an event. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, Conan's been asked about heat with Nash. Disco's been asked about why didn't WWE, any, anything that these guys could be asked by fans that, that on other shows guys might not answer and say, oh, that's too personal, or I don't want to delve into that. Sure. These guys delve into everything. There's, yes. I've never been instructed, I'll put it that way, I've never been instructed to hold anything back from as far as the mailbag. So everything goes through. Oh, that's awesome to hear then. See, so there you go, people. Now it's even more ammunition to send in a question because, you know, it'll 99.9% you'll, you'll get through, right? So. Yeah, and the thing, well, real quick, one sure. thing that has changed a little bit is since that's become so popular, you know, we'll be answering 15 to 20 questions a week or something, if mm. not more. And sometimes you'll get more in-depth answers, and sometimes those guys won't be in the mood to answer a certain question again sure. that we've delved into, right? But we still put 20 to 30 minutes of the mailbag on the show, and then the rest of it does wind up on Patreon. But, okay. you know, that's that's also part of, the, part of the deal where, you know, we might try to get people to subscribe to Patreon because no matter what, your question is going to be answered somewhere. And I, and I do try to mix it up. On the mailbag segment, I know people have said, well, sometimes we hear the same names and the same people and mm. stuff. And that's true, but that's why I always try to get new questions. I'll be on the Facebook page or the Patreon saying, hey, now's the time. I'm looking for new names. Send your right. questions in. So we're trying to keep it fresh. We're trying not to have the same people asking questions in the mailbag all the time. Well, speaking of Patreon, you also have a shitload of content on there and cool perks for different levels of uh, joining Patreon. Uh, t- talk about this because uh, not everybody does what you guys do with the Patreon because people just have a Patreon to either have bonus content or just, but you guys actually have interactive Patreon stuff. Yeah, it's, uh, well, I was, a, I was a Patreon subscriber before okay. I worked on the show, believe it or not. They, they started the Patreon in January of 2017 and I think I was, I was on the show by the end of February, mm-hmm. but I was... I was way into keeping it 100, just like I was an MLW radio fan. So I was a right. listener before I started, which actually made that, you know, uh, attractive to Conan as well. Like, oh, I can hire this guy. I don't have to tell him about the show or how to edit it or what bits stay or where to play a song or whatever because the guy already knows. Sure. So that was a part part of him bringing me in too. I, I, he knew I knew the show, but uh, so I was a subscriber to their Patreon back in the day. And, and as far as I know, it's the first. It was the first one. Everyone, every wrestling podcast has one now, and it's like. Oh, you'll get an ad-free version of the show, or we'll put up a bonus episode, yeah. or you'll get a mug, whatever whatever it is, and that's fine. But those guys did it first. <laughs> they really did. And um, it was a dollar back in the day, a dollar oh. and then $5 for like a little bit of you know call-ins and this and that. Mm-hmm. And the market changed. So a lot of these Patreons now, whether you see like uh, you know Conrad's Patreons for his show, or mm-hmm. I think Cornette has one, or Russo, of course. You know, these guys are charging 20 or $30 for different tiers or more. So we realized, you know, not that we want to, you know, milk the audience for every dollar we can, but, hey, we want to get paid what we're worth, too. So of we course. changed it uh, around this time last year, maybe a little earlier, to make it a little more expensive, but, like you said, make it more interactive. So now anyone that's in a $10 tier or above has a chance to get on a, a roundtable after a pay-per-view, or we've been doing them just on 
random weeknights now. We'll have three to four listeners nice. come on, and we will shoot the shit about whatever they want. It's also uh, you know ten dollars and up. If you're in the twenty five dollar tier, it's first come first serve there. But ten dollars or up, you get you get the offer, you get the chance to do it. We do match watch alongs. Mm. So and what's what's great about that is actually our listeners have come up with some unique matches that these guys hadn't seen since they were in the ring, or I've never seen. So it's not like. Hey, Conan and Disco watch Hogan versus Warrior. You <laughs> right. know, everyone everyone knows that match. Hogan or, or Disco and Conan watch, you know, uh, Triple H versus versus Michaels and versus Benoit. Everyone's seen that match a million times, right? Sure. So some of them are unique, but I guess that's the best way to 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 put the Patreon over. It's patreon.com slash Conan and, mm-hmm. and to say, hey, you'll hear every mailbag question uncensored. You'll see video from the show now. There's, nice. You'll have the opportunity to talk to these guys on a roundtable, mm-hmm. or you have an opportunity to watch a match with them if, if that's what you want. And that's, you know, we've, we've had a lot of success recently because we've been able to invest more time. And, of course, when you invest time in something and you see that monetary result, you're going to continue to do it. We know now what the people want and what they'll subscribe for, so we're going to keep going down that path. But it is well worth it. And like I said, as, as someone who was a listener initially, I was a subscriber in the beginning. So if, if you're a listener of Conan's show, I couldn't imagine not subscribing to this stuff because there's so much great content on there. Yeah, no, and, and also, like you guys say on the show, it also have all the backlogs of all the old episodes and everything from before, so it's not like you just get up-to-date stuff, right? Yeah, you would get, if you signed up today, you know, people might think, oh, I'll just get the April 2020 content. But really, with Patreon, you get it all from the first day that they started putting stuff up. So video and audio and pictures and mailbags and match watch-alongs and all that stuff for the last three-plus years. It's it's a lot of stuff to, to go through. And, and around this time where everyone's kind of stuck at home and yeah. looking for stuff to do, I mean, you can't beat it. And, and I would say you put it up against any other wrestling Patreon, and it's one of the best it's, it's it's in the top three at least you know no that's pretty cool so out of all the tons of millions i guess well not millions but thousands of guests you guys have on the show what are some of the more standouts and what are some of the most craziest moments happen on air well uh cyrus don Callis from impact uh, now has always been an audience favorite and a favorite of mine uh he's just uh he just meshes well with those guys <laughs> he's a very quick-witted guy you know yeah. So even just being the producer in the third in the third wheel, if I know Cyrus is coming on, I'm like, oh, this is going to be a good week, you know. Yeah. Uh, Jericho's been great, of course. He was the guy that first believed in these guys yeah. and, and wanted to bring them on his network. So he, even though this show isn't on, you know, Podcast One or Westwood One with Chris anymore, sure. he still checks in and, and is kind of a part of the show, a friend of the show. So he's always a great guest. Uh, Eric Bischoff has been a great guest because. Back in the day in WCW, him and Conan had frequently had tension between them. So mm-hmm. those guys, I think sometimes I still feel it a little bit, you know, and, and questions or answers the way they, they, they address each other. It's like, man, these guys still have a little, it's still there a little bit. It's under the surface, you know, <laughs> they say they're, they're friends and all that, but right. my gosh, at any at any moment, these guys might, 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 you know, get into a little bit of an argument. But so far, so far, so good. It's been a uh, civil, um, Conrad Thompson's always been a great guest. There you go. Uh, Frankie, when Frankie Kazarian comes on and does the Frankie uh, Juicy Seal, which is it's it's a continuation of an old segment. Right. Listeners would send in songs from their from their own uh, creation, whether they're a solo artist or a rapper or their own band. Mm-hmm. And they send it in to K100 Questions at Gmail, and we judge the music on the air. And initially, it was a segment with Juventud Guerrero, but him and Conan had had you know a falling out or whatever. So Frankie Kazarian, who is in a band, you know, Gutter Candy, and uh, and is a great friend of the show, right. has taken that segment over. So I, I love when Frankie's on. I know a lot of listeners dig it. It's it's again something different for the show. It's mm-hmm. you know, yeah, whatever you want to call it, all the musical 
judging shows that are on now where it's American Idol or The Voice, whatever. I don't watch that crap, but right. this is our version of it, right? So we have a good time with that. Frankie's a great guest. And um, there's been a lot, man. There's been some that we wouldn't – like, I mean, Al Snow is a great guest. He was on one time. Mm-hmm. Vinny Paz, who's a, a rapper he, and a big wrestling fan, was on, and I thought he was a great guest at mm-hmm. one point. Um, Taya Valkyrie was just on. We had a little – pop in from her husband john morrison which i don't know if he was allowed to do that or not it didn't matter he did it (laughs) so we heard it right so she was a guest and it just seems like you know there's a lot of interesting people and interesting characters in pro wrestling so nine times out of ten you're going to get a good interview out of somebody but a lot of a lot of the podcasts when they ask the same questions and i've been guilty of that too then these guys wind up sleepwalking through it but when you bring a guest on keeping a 100 with conan not only uh, is there a great uh, rapport between Disco and Conan? It go- it carries on to the guest, and these guys tend to bring the best out of the guest as well. No, of course. And if you know someone, you tend to open up a little bit more than to just a stranger, of course, right? Right, right. Yeah, it totally makes sense. Okay, let's discuss some of your other podcasts. First off, you also co-host The Raven Effect. How different is this from Keeping It 100? <laughs> it's it's completely different. Keeping <laughs> okay. It 100, uh, it, like... Conan gave me a lot of responsibility eventually. Like in the beginning, he edited everything, or he would tell me, he would literally listen to it and then send me time codes and say, I want this in and this out. And he would pick all the guests. And he would, you know, he just, he was very hands on when it started Mm -hmm. up until I think maybe two years ago ish. His schedule and his, his, you know, it just all became too crazy. He was back with Impact. He oh, was yeah. running Crash. And now and from there, he was back with with AAA. And right. then, then he was starting to do MLW show. So his schedule got crazy enough, and he knew I could do it. So he just, you know what, you're at it in the show. I trust you. You know how the show is supposed to go. Mm-hmm. Have at it. So that was, again, throwing me in the deep end of the pool, you know. And... So I have a lot of responsibility with that show where I'm the one editing everything. I'm the one recording everything. I'm the one booking the guests. I'm the one handling the Patreon right. and sending stuff to Husey for the YouTube channel and stuff like that. So okay. it's it's pretty time-consuming. With the Raven Effect, I don't do anything except sit down and answer the phone and talk for 90 minutes. And we and there's no preparation whatsoever. Oh, we just completely BS about whatever <laughs> is on my mind or Raven or Rich Bikini from, from MLW's the, the, the third guy on the, on the show there. Okay. So that's a lot more it's it, i don't want to say it's more fun because that's not accurate but right i know that like i don't i don't i don't have to do anything except sit down and try to be funny so it's 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 very very much different with with conan show i have a lot more responsibility with ravens it's like we just riff with it and uh you i think we've kind of that show's really started to mesh well you know it's, it's starting to gain a lot of popularity no it has i'm sure and okay what about the creative control network what's name some of the shows you got on there and what people could find on there well, it's what happened was, uh, as I mentioned, I started Creative Control back in the day. At this mm-hmm. point, it's al- it's almost it's five and a half years, okay. and my goal was to, like I said, interview creative people in wrestling. And what I, I kind of ran out of, I don't want to say I, like my my passion for wrestling is is very much depleted. And I know you know you listen to Keeping It One Hundred with Conan, and you notice that sometimes either I don't interject at all, or I don't know what's going. Like there was a question this week where they asked about. Uh, what WWE was doing with Lana, okay. and I was like, "Well, I was like, well, I guess her whole angle change co- changes because Rusev left." And they're like, "What? Like Rusev and Lana haven't worked together in months?" I'm like, "I don't, <laughs> I don't know what's going on." Sure. So, I, I changed creative control where now, like recently, I had Stephen Tripp on from The Sopranos. I've had 
Bumblefoot from Guns N' Roses. I've had Jackie Martling, Jackie the Joke Man, mm. and just and then some shows. I'll just do a, a show with with uh, Husey and Mike Durbin from the Creative Control Network, where we'll just bullshit about whatever. Okay. That's what I've turned Creative Control into, where it's it's. I, I wanted to get away from wrestling. Sure. That's not what you asked, but I just it's, it's kind of all tied together. No, so. no, no, go for it. Of course. It's been two years already with Creative Control Network, and, and this was I was brainstorming on how to change what I was doing and brainstorming on how do I get out of this pigeonholed wrestling show. And at that point, I was starting to learn more how to make money with podcasting. I had some connections with different uh, ad companies or agencies or, or even just – I had connections with people in, in the companies where I would just work directly with them instead of through an agency. Nice. So I had learned how to make a little bit of money. I was starting to – Send sponsors like Conan's way and stuff when I could, even though back when we were on a network, like they, they shut me down and wouldn't let me do it. And I was like, well, who can I share the sponsors with and how I, maybe I can give some shows exposure. So I came up with Creative Control Network. It was, it was like, again, spur of the moment almost. It's like I could do this. I could upload shows for other people and I could plug them on Conan's show and on social media mm-hmm. and, and try to create some listeners for these guys and give them some exposure and at the same time. As I'm trying to find my own sponsor relationships, I can also expand that to these other shows. So I'm making money. They're making money. We're all making money. We're all gaining listeners. We're all becoming you know, a family and a company and all that. Right. Creative Control Networks was started like that. Like, let's give some people a chance. Let's try to help give people exposure, and let's try to help people make a few bucks, you know? Sure. And it led to... You know, one of the first shows I had on was was Road Warrior Animals Water Rush. So mm-hmm. that already changed the, the complexion of the network. Like, okay, right. now it's not just you know some new shows or newcomers or, or uh, you know lesser famous people or un- unrecognized podcasters that I want to give a break to. Right. Now I've got Animal on there. He's a freaking Hall of Famer. He's mm-hmm. going to be on an episode of Dark Side of the Ring in a few weeks. Like, right. Animal's still a big deal. And so that forced me to take a little bit more seriously but creative control network the goal was to like i said expose some shows to to people that might not have heard of them uh you know create a team really and you know and 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 try to do better with sponsors for everybody so animal came aboard we've had some shows come on and off and it's not you know some relationships didn't end that great but right now i think we have the solid team that i want shane helms is on there now as well shane's been around with us for over a year you know, he uh, he does a short show pretty much weekly, Highway to Helms, where he talks wrestling and comics and movies and whatever, and very entertaining guy. And um, other than that, it's it's they might be guys that people haven't heard of, but it's I think like I said, I've put together a team now where even when some people, you know, the joke on the Conan show is I'll give everyone a podcast, everyone gets a podcast. <laughs> That's not really the. It, it, I'll be honest with you, in the beginning, it kind of was like that where I was just throwing shit at the wall to see what sticks but now we have a few wrestling shows we have honorable mention with shane Hagler and jeff schwartz they talk ring of honor it's like a it's like a version of something to wrestle with or 83 weeks but it's for ring of honor because shane was there you know the whole time almost until they left uh left sinclair broad or not sinclair when they joined sinclair broadcasting so if you're a hardcore ring of honor fan that's a show for you um Pat McNeil from the Pro Wrestling Torch and Jim Valley from the Observer do Wayback Playback. Mm-hmm. That is your watch-along type show where they will uh, watch matches and pay-per-views that the fans vote on. Um, 
there's a show called From the Bedroom to the Booth. It's uh, Aaron Pavis and his boys from Ireland. They're all DJs. They discuss DJing and club music and things like that. It's kind of a niche-type niche, niche type show, but it really does well. It's all over the music charts in, in Ireland and England and stuff. So trying to get a little international flavor there. We've got Husey on there. It's Husey Hello. That's like a comedy show. He interviews mm-hmm. comedians, wrestlers. Nice. He's interviewed directors and screenwriters. It's, it's you know, pretty interesting show. I brought a sports show on board with the four sportsmen. Those guys, unfortunately, don't have a lot to talk about right now. But you know, <laughs> but I wanted to have a, I wanted to have a sports show for sure. Uh, Mike Durbin is on there. He was he initially had a show on uh, Vince Russo's brand on Realm. Oh, nice. Uh, he uh, and that was behind a paywall. So I think Mike wanted to get out from behind the paywall because you know there wasn't you know you're, you're limiting yourself when you're behind a paywall like that. Of and course. then. Uh, Hambone came aboard early on. Russo uh, fans will also know Hambone. He was on those shows a lot back in the day. And Jamie Irwin does a show called What's Your Favorite? Jamie Irwin's a, a musician from Britain. He, he interviews a lot of musicians and comedians, and it's kind of just a shooting-the-shit type show where he asks people questions. What's your favorite this? What's your favorite that? Yeah. And it's become a pretty solid team. I've actually turned down some bigger names that have, have asked about coming aboard just because – at this point, I'm so busy with everything else. I don't know that I could give the attention to another major show sure. uh, that it would deserve. I just, I just don't have the time. But I think right now it's a solid team. So to to just kind of wrap that up, I was rambling a little bit. Creative Control Network. It's just, it's a team of podcasts. Uh, it's a nice variety of different type of shows: wrestling, sports, comedy, pop culture, music, whatever. And I think everyone associating with everyone has kind of brought all the shows up. You know, and that was the goal when I started to kind of build something and help everyone out, everyone that was interested. You know, no, that's pretty cool. So, when did your love for wrestling actually start? Because you said now you don't really, you're jaded, you're not into it that as much and whatnot. So, when did you start liking wrestling? I remember because I'm 38, so we're we're pretty close. Yeah. I I always think of that first time that uh, on Piper's Pit where Andre tore off Hogan's shirt. Uh. And okay. off the cross and stuff, and Piper's on stage, and Hogan, yeah. and Andre, and Heenan, and Ventura, <laughs> just the huge names of the 80s. Yeah, yeah. And I remember around the same time when Randy Savage dove off and hit Steamboat in the throat with the ring bell, and then they had to take him out on the stretcher, and he can't breathe, and he's choking, and I was a you know, five, six-year-old kid yeah. watching that and being you know mesmerized. And I stayed a fan. I was a, a Hogan guy, and then I you know evolved out of that, and I was eventually a very big Bret Hart fan. Nice. And... Around the time in 93 when Brett lost the belt and they gave it back to Hogan at mm-hmm. WrestleMania 9, yeah. and this is a familiar story because I've heard a lot of people say this. Okay. I, I was out. I was getting into my teens anyway, and it seemed like they were going to do the same old stuff, so oh. I stopped watching for a few years. Okay. And then you have your Monday Night Wars era, So, and I'm from Philadelphia, so oh. ECW was home base. you know. So nice. I heard of ECW. I started getting back into that. Hogan turned heel. The NWO started. <laughs> So much like, you know, a lot of people around that age group and wrestling fans, you know, that Monday Night Wars era, everybody was watching. And I was way, way into it. And I found myself taking another break again, you know. And it just seems to be cyclical in my life where I'm either hardcore into it or I'm I, I'm just – they're not drawing me in. And right now it seems to be one of those times where they're not drawing me in. Right. And obviously I was I was into it enough a few years back to start a podcast. So I was a big fan. And I was I was really enjoying what was on TV around that time. And then I think around, I always tell people, like, I went down to Orlando for WrestleMania in 2017, at, well, WrestleMania week anyway, okay. and I went to some of the, I went to WrestleCon, and I went to Access, and I went to the Bruce Pritchard and Conrad show live, and mm. I got to see all this cool stuff. Sure. And uh, 
I don't know. Like somehow that that coincides with me losing interest. Like I got to I, maybe it was a matter of I got to see what I wanted to see, and now I'm not as into it. But some of the talents on TV too, like they're they're not gonna you're not gonna draw me in with Seth Rollins or Nia Jax or I, like the only talents that I look out for right now is probably Brock and Brian and Styles and Kevin Owens are the okay. only guys on their show that. Like, I'll still watch the pay-per-views because friends of mine, it's just a tradition. We watch them every month. And sure. I watch them for the Conan show as well, just to, okay. you know, because we do the after after the show roundtables. Mm-hmm. But, like, I, I got to be honest, some of it now where these shows are, like, so long and it's so full of talents that I don't care to see it. Some of these times I'm kind of a moody shit about it. Like, oh, man, we got to watch this fucking wrestling again? <laughs> Come on, can we do something else? Like, right. it's, just, it's, it's really not grabbing right now. So I'm definitely in a cold period where... I think it frustrated Conan for a little while. Like, hey, you're on the wrestling podcast with me. You think you could watch some wrestling? And I'm like, man, I can't do it. I can't do it right now, you know? So, yeah, I'm definitely definitely a little bit jaded. I still enjoy going to live shows, though. It's just the TV. Yeah. I, you, you can't twist my arm to watch it at all. Yeah, there is a big difference because my wife hates watching it with me, but she'll go to any live show because she loves the ambiance to everything about it. She gets into it when she's there live. But like you yep. said, like watching it at home is just it's the same thing over and over. Cookie cutter this, cookie cutter that. And but other than WWE, is there anything else that you would want to watch or could watch if you had the time? I I like uh, there's a lot that AEW has done that, that turned me off, but. It's the same thing with like with WWE. Like I'm not too huge of a fan of a lot of what's on AEW TV, but I'll okay. absolutely watch Jericho at any point. You know, sure. whatever he's up to. I'm a Moxley fan. Okay. Uh, I've kind of I was intrigued to see what AEW would do with Luke Harper when they brought him in because mm. I thought years he was underutilized. I think Matt Hardy could do some fun stuff. So I have my eye on AEW, right. but it's just become habit for me now to either forget that the shows are on or I, I just watch my clips on Twitter or YouTube and I it's just become a habit to me that I don't sit down and watch an actual like AEW on Wednesday or Raw or whatever. Mm-hmm. It like impact. I like a lot of what Impact does and they make the most out of their roster and they bring in some old old timers or ECW guys and guys that I recognize and I think right. they do a lot of creative stuff. They're the closest to like R rated wrestling that you're gonna get right now. Yeah. So I like I like some of what Impact does. I like some of what AEW does. I like what I see from MLW. I watched NWA when it was first on at the beginning, mm. but I think it's a, it's a product of me not being that interested that keeps me from really getting invested. It's not right. necessarily that any of these shows are doing anything wrong or whatever. It's just my general lack of interest. I just <laughs> I just go hot and cold with it. And I'm, you know, when the right talent comes along or the right story, I'll be all about it again. It's just right now isn't isn't that time, especially with no crowds. I can't watch right. it with no crowds. I just can't do it. Yeah, I'm the same way. Like, I, especially at first. Now, I don't know if it's because I'm just used to it, but I'm still one of those guys that fast forwards through all the matches and just watches the promos. I'm that type of guy, right? But right. pay per views, I'll probably sit through it all because you know pay per views better quality matches and all that. But it's like at first it was whatever. But out of all the companies doing it, I think AEW is doing it honestly the best with having a little bit of guys sprinkled in the audience, and you don't hear that like that echoiness from what you hear on WWE TV. You know what I mean? I think with with AEW, and I was at Star the first Starcast, okay. and I didn't I didn't get to go to All In. I was at the All In party at the hotel with uh, Shane Helms was hosting it or whatever, mm-hmm. and I really liked it. And I, at the time, Omega was new to me, 
So I would go out of my way to watch Omega versus Jericho or Omega versus Okada. If I knew if I knew Omega was main event in a New Japan show, I would watch it. I would watch Wrestle Kingdom. Okay. That's the kind of fan I was at the time. Right. And I had seen the Young Bucks live a few times and was blown away. I, I still say, <laughs> and I've said it to Kazarian and 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 when I when I've spoken to him that I saw a match between the Bucks versus Daniels and Kazarian at a Ring of Honor taping, and I think Daniels and Kazarian had just left Impact. And the Bucks were getting big in Japan, and they had one of the best tag matches I've ever seen live. Mm. And then I saw them a few months later versus the Hardys at a, at a, at a House of Hardcore show in Philly, Dreamers Dreamers promotion. Yep. And those guys, of course, the Hardys versus the Bucks, they tore it down big time. It was their first – I know they feuded eventually. This was their first big match. Right. And so I was initially a big Omega fan and a big Bucks fan. I was I was one of those you know elite fans, I guess, right? Sure. And I don't – I just think the bloom's off the rose. Like the Bucks, they're, mm. they're very athletic. But the matches are very similar. Omega, the matches became very similar. They're all very yeah. long, epic Kenny Omega matches. Mm-hmm. And I just lost my taste for it. I sure. just, But initially, I was way into the AEW concept. Right. Like all these talented guys, the elite, Jericho on top, mm-hmm. you know, some high flyers, some where they're not going to be afraid to use blood, this and that. I was all about it. Right. And I don't know. It just, it just faded for me. And I think... Whatever they're doing, it's faded for some people because when the show started, they were doing a million two or whatever, and now they're down. They've lost almost half their viewers. So there's something going on that people saw and and it it slipped away from watching the show or lost the habit. I don't know what it is, but I'm with you. Like I'll watch an AEW pay-per-view for sure because Mm -hmm. they, they do deliver, but there's just certain things on it that aren't for me, you know. I don't know. Maybe I'm just an old fart. <laughs> Again, we're from the same age group, so no, I totally get it. And uh, you said you dip in and out also with Japanese wrestling, so you're not a New Japan fanboy? No, I never was. Okay. Uh, when I was a big, like in the late 90s, I was never really a tape trader per yeah. se, but I would keep my eye on stuff. Actually, what I really did was I dubbed and sold tapes, so I was a I was a illegal bootlegger. <laughs> Uh, I used eBay back then to sell tapes, made made some money, you know. But I had a few Japanese tapes, like Best of the Light Heavyweights in Japan or sure. Jericho in Japan, Cactus Jack in Japan. So okay. I had my eye on some of the stuff. I knew who the guys were. Yeah, yeah. Oh, and um, I, I there's a part of me that wants to go back and watch. You know, people talk about the golden days of the All Japan Heavyweights and sure. Misawa and Kibashi stuff. So I'm aware of all of it, mm-hmm. and I've seen some of it, but I, I never like was went out of my way. Even when New Japan was on yeah. Access, yeah, I, I would put it on if I knew it was on. But it was never like you know diehard programming for me. So uh, I'd never been a big like New Japan fanboy. No, but I was. I'll tell you what. When those guys would show up in WCW. Mm. You know, Muda would show up yep. or Chono. Like I was all about that. I just didn't follow them that closely when they went back to Japan. How about Mexican wrestling? Are you, were you ever big into Mexican wrestling? No, uh, I feel like I should be because I could probably be more of a. <laughs> I could probably be more of a help to keep it in one hundred in the Master Public Minute if I knew what the hell was going on. Not right? to mention Conan, who runs the show, books the top company in Mexico. I should probably <laughs> be watching it, right? But, no kidding. Yeah, it just still goes with that with my kind of lack of interest right now. And okay. again, like I've put some AAA on and when they're running live on Facebook or whatever, or, or Twitch, and I know mm. it's on, I'll give it a peek, but I don't speak Spanish. So that's, oh. <laughs> I don't know what the hell's going on. Gotcha. And just, I would be like watching an entirely new show because I don't know that much of the talent, if any of it that's sure. on the shows, you know? So no, that's part too. familiarity is big that's with the wrestling true. fan. So if you ask me to put on a new show with, 
eight matches of guys I don't know, I'm not going to watch it. I won't be as, as likely to watch as I would if I put on an AEW or something. I go, hey, there's Chris Jericho, there's John Moxley, hey, there's the right. Bucks. You put on Impact, hey, there's Ken Shamrock and Joey Ryan, and you know Rhino. Oh shit, look at this, Tommy Dreamer. <laughs> so that's probably the problem with with Lucha is probably just I don't know enough about it, so right. I have never really delved into it. Well, and that, that's what I was going to ask next too, because of being Lucha. So it's strictly because you don't know enough. It's not because of the, I guess. The, the, work, the work rate is a little bit different, more flippy shit, more this, more that, right? And the storytelling is a lot more different, of course. Yeah, but uh, from what I've seen, they have uh, the, the flips and whatnot. Yeah, that kind of turns me off when it comes to some of the AEW stuff. Oh, or, or okay. like, for instance, Seth Rollins, 100%. I remember the first time I saw him do three topes in a row, and I was like, what the fuck <laughs> is this? Okay. Or he, he did a superplex off the top. And landed, and then immediately got up and did one of those uh, northern. I can't remember what it was. It's like a it's like a suplex into a into a lager bomb, whatever the fuck it is. Sure. And I'm like, why isn't he selling the superplex? So mm. I'm an old fart when it comes to that. If, okay. if the guys aren't selling, I'm like, this is you're moving too fast for me, man. <laughs> Slow down so I can understand what's going on. But for what I've seen from Lucha, even though you're right, there's there's a whole lot of flippy floppy, whatever they call it, and aerial stuff, sure. and maybe less selling. I still think that they do it better. You know, they're just more physical or something like that. So. It's not anything – the work doesn't turn me off or the style doesn't turn me off. It's just a lack of knowledge and not speaking the language really. Oh, okay. So maybe that's why I don't mind uh, Lucha stuff because I understand and speak Spanish fluently myself. So for me, it's a little bit more different. And again, I don't mind – the like if it's done correctly – like for example, the way Lucha Underground did it. I think they did it – for a North American audience, the best you could introduce to people who've never watched Lucha before. And then if you like it, then you could delve back and go actually watch – the stuff from AAA and TMLL and all that other stuff, right? The thing I like about Lucha Underground is, and I'm not saying, I haven't watched it, so. But oh, what okay. I mean is, the thing, the thing I like about it is that I haven't, and I know that I can, I don't know anything about it. I can go in and it's like a TV show. It's going right. to be new to me, right? Yes. I know a little bit of stuff. Like, I know, I think, I'm pretty sure Conan was murdered. But other than that, <laughs> yeah. you know, I know, I know Cross is on there, and yeah. I think, you know. Uh, Johnny Johnny Morrison Johnny Mundo is on there, and, but I really don't know too much about it, you know, because oh, okay. I didn't get the El Ray or whatever it was on at the time. Sure. If I would have had El Ray at the time, I probably would have been a regular viewer. But by the time I got it, mm. it was a few years in, and I felt behind, and I was like, you know what, I'm going to revisit this one day, and at some right. point, I absolutely will. But it just hasn't happened yet. Oh, okay, because yeah, I was a huge fan of Lucha Underground, and then they ended up putting it. I don't know about there, because obviously our Netflixes are different from being in different countries. But they were at uh, one point on the uh, Canadian Netflix, so you could watch them all there. I don't know if it's still on there now, but I'm sure you could find it somewhere. Yeah, it's uh, I'm somewhere streaming it. I, I'm not sure where, but I'm sure I could I could get a hold of it if I wanted to. Well, other than wrestling, are you into video games at all? Not a huge gamer. Uh, really? I have okay. I have moments like I. Uh, I recently got MLB The Show 2020. Okay. So with that, like some years I'll buy it and I'll be hooked, and some years I'll buy it and it just won't hook me. And there's I, there's really no rhyme or reason. Right now I'm just playing the career mode. I'm an up and coming pitcher, and my guy's <laughs> doing good. So I'm into it. But other than that, like I was, I liked games when I was young. I liked, I was a big, you know, Final Fantasy three was a big game for me when oh, I was young. Me too. You're seeking my shit now, man. Well, what I was, I asked my brother the other day because he's a big, he's a big, big gamer. Okay. And I saw that that Final Fantasy VII remake came yes. out, and I was like, "Can you explain to me why this is important? Like, what is it? Why is it this game? And why did it deserve a remake? And is it worth buying?" And yeah. and I've had my eye on it. It's just that with with the economy being very strange right now, of 
I already spent sixty dollars on the baseball game, so mm-hmm. I'm not going to spend seventy or sixty dollars on Final Fantasy right now. Right. But I have my eye on it, so that could happen. But the kind of games that have hooked me in the last five, ten years initially was uh, the Walking Dead for Telltale Games. Nice. Uh, hooked me when it was first out, and then I became hooked on the whole story. So mm-hmm. I played each uh, each chapter, that or version or whatever, you know, sure. or season rather. So yeah, every season that it. came out, I was way into. Yeah. And I played Telltale's Game of Thrones game, and I played Telltale's Batman game, and I yeah. played Telltale's uh, Wolf Among Us, which is finally getting a sequel. Mm-hmm. The reason is like I've never been a good uh, hardcore enough gamer. And I've and I've been away from it for so long that I'm not very good at it. So yeah, when you so. want me to play a game like Call of Duty, my hand-eye coordination <laughs> ain't like it was when I was 15, and I could be you know the shit at Goldeneye or whatever. Sure. Right now I'm just not that good at it. So I need simple. Like the Telltale games are basically click and point, and there's a story, and your choices matter. And, and I'm like, all right, I can dig that. Yeah. There's a game. Uh, and I, I don't know games well enough, but you'll you'll probably know the studio when I talk about mm. it. Uh, I found the game Heavy Rain, yes. and I really liked Heavy Rain. So yeah. from there, I played this uh, Detroit Become Human mm-hmm. or whatever, yep. Beyond Human, whatever. So Great I actually went too. through and played that twice. So their nice. stuff I kind of like. I actually have the other game in the middle of their catalog on uh, PlayStation Now waiting to play it with uh, with uh, Ellen Page oh, playing the main character. Um, Beyond Souls or Beyond Two Souls, something like that? Yeah, so that I will play that. That's okay. waiting for me. So that's the kind of game that I need. It's got to be simple. Because my I just don't have the hand-eye coordination, and I also like the kind the games where it's like they really impress on you. Hey, your choices matter in the story, and there's always you know moral decisions over here, and what am I going to do? And so that's the kind of stuff that I play. And and so what I mean is, even though I don't play that often, I always have my eye on the next thing that I'm going to play, and I'm just pretty specific with it, you know. Okay, now I got to know. You said you played Detroit Human or Becoming Human twice. I only played a one walkthrough, and when I was with Marcus, I made him a leader, a good guy. Like I tried to make him as babyface as he could be, speaking of wrestling terms. What, what did you do with your playthrough? Huh. My first playthrough was like the most miserable ending for everybody. Like I think I <laughs> fucked over everybody. And it just didn't turn out well for any characters, right? And in my second playthrough, I, I don't I didn't I don't play with the idea of like I want to give them a happy ending. I still sure. just kind of played as I felt like at the time, whatever decisions. It didn't matter if they were you know I was being an asshole or not. Okay. And I got and I got whatever was the preferable ending for Marcus. Like mm. I can't remember what it was specifically, but it was the happy ending. Okay. Unfortunately, the other android that had the little girl with her. Yes. I can't keep them alive. They get killed. They got killed both times, oh, so shit. I can't save them. But uh, in the one in the second playthrough, Marcus Marcus came out all right. I think he, you know what? I think he might have went back to his original owner or something like that and visited him. Okay, it was well, yeah. I, there's a shitload of endings, so I'm I really know. not spoiling it. You'll, you, there's a million of them, but yeah, that's that's the kind of thing. So I keep an eye on what that studio is up to. I keep an eye on Telltale Games. I know there's some other games out there. People people say that I would like that are similar. Like people tell me to play The Last of Us or. Ah, uh, uh, you know what? Don't. I don't think you'll like it. It's more for hardcore gaming, and it's hard as fuck. Hard. Yeah, yeah. and it's one of those. I don't know if you're into the stealth type games where you have to duck and peek a lot and wait for a specific moment to happen, and then you have to lunge out and you can't make a noise, and everything is environmentally touched and whatever. It's like oh, it's it's too much detail. Well, yeah, I probably wouldn't be good at it. No, uh, like, because that was my whole, like, I've played video games my whole life, but I'm sort of like, you know, I've reached that age where my hand-eye coordination just isn't the same. And if there's no easy mode in a game, I, I will not play it. I just don't have the time because I can't keep dying over and over. It just pisses me off now that I'm older. Yeah, yeah. Another one my brother 
point it my way that I haven't uh, played it is the Life is Strange series. Oh, yeah. And then um, another one I played through and liked was Until Dawn. Yes, that was a good one. They came out with another game that I also have waiting for me. I can't, I can't remember what it was called, but I know it started out on like a haunted ship or something. And I'm like, oh, it's pretty similar to Until Dawn. I'm sure it'll be good. I just, uh, I'm either playing or I'm not. And when I'm not, it means I put down the controller for like months. You know right. what I mean? So. Okay, gotcha. You're one of those. Uh, what about TV? Now everyone's quarantined. Everyone's watching. The big things are obviously like the Tiger King and uh, stuff like that. But one of that's caught my eye and I love it. Even though it's episodically and I would rather have it all out in one shot and binge it. But The Last Dance about the Chicago Bulls uh run in what was it 96 97 uh 98 98 that's it yeah 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 so i was a huge bulls fan at the time oh okay i was a big i was a lot bigger sports fan when i was younger as i've gotten older like i've same lost interest and and it's almost like i was saying about triple a earlier like now i'm so far gone that if i put on an eagles game i don't know what's going on i don't know who's on the team anymore (laughs) i don't know on the sixers anymore you know but in the late 90s i was all about everything boxing i watched all every boxing card i could i was way into the sixers and the bulls and basketball and i was a big eagles fan big phillies fan whatever so i was so into that bulls team with jordan pippen and rodman that I watched almost every game that they played, sure. and I've read books on Jordan's life, and I've read specific books on that era of the Bulls, and books on Rodman, and all this, mm. Phil Jackson's books. So this is right up my wheelhouse. I've been waiting for this <laughs> since they announced it almost like two years ago. Oh, shit. And I watched the first two episodes, you know, back-to-back like everyone else did, and sure. I'm waiting for uh, for tomorrow, when we recorded Saturday, so I'm waiting yeah. for tomorrow's episode, uh, big time, big time, because it looks like it's going to be... Uh, like the Bulls versus the Pistons focused on that, and Rodman was on nice. the Pistons. So there was like mega heat between Rodman and Pippen back in the day, and I'm like, oh, this is going to be a good one. You know, it's definitely – it's a good series, uh, and uh, I'm glad to see it. It's it's going to be, what, 12 parts, so it's going to it's oh, going nice. to delve into a lot of stuff that, you know, even the most hardcore fan or reader wouldn't know. So I'm looking forward yeah. to the rest. No, yeah, so am I. And plus, again, I this is when I used to love basketball because being from Toronto, we didn't have the Raptors, or they just got started back then. One or the other, I can't yeah. remember. It was too far back already. But I, I was a huge Knicks fan before I became a Raptors fan, right? So obviously, being in the East, you get to you got to see what the Bulls always did, right? And I don't know some of these things that were coming up because again, you're being you're young, you don't really delve into the politics and the finance of sports you just love sports because you love sports so i did yeah. not know that scotty pippen was like a hundred and something in the league when they were going through that fucking run that's fucking idiotic man yeah yeah he got screwed uh and he, i think he finally made his money with the rockets and stuff right. but yeah he was way underpaid because there was Nuts. a weird time shift where he, you know he say he was making 2.5 million and the top player in the league was making six million and it was jordan right at some there was some sort of change with the collective bargaining agreement or the team's payrolls where they could i don't know and the next thing you know you had guys like Shaq making 25 million a season and <laughs> michael jordan still making six right and it's like wait a minute what's going on here so there was a weird time there yeah where, where a lot of veterans were getting the shaft while these guys coming in like Shaq and penny hardaway and Irison and stuff were getting multi-millions multi-multi-millions just to start and guys like Pippen and, 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 you know, probably like Ewing and stuff, who John Starks, who was on the Knicks back then, and all those guys that were grinding away for years were probably making, you know, you know shit compared to that. Yeah, no kidding. And then the other standout to me has to be Kraus and him being such a dick, but being such good at what he does. Like, how fucked up is that? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And uh, 
Yeah, and I always thought his mind was very interesting because he always, no matter how successful he was, he had to top it. So that that's what was right. going on during this documentary. 98's coming. They're forcing Phil Jackson out, even though he's won so many championships, been so successful. They're mm-hmm. probably getting rid of Pippen as yeah. it starts, and they're just they're already looking to the future. And it's like, wait a minute, dude, we're still in the dynasty. Like, what what are you doing? But it's just guys like that that need to constantly challenge themselves and prove, you know, that they were the big the, the top dog to put the team together. It wasn't Jordan, and it wasn't Phil. It was me. I did it. You know. And <laughs> to be honest, after I stopped paying attention as close as I did, I don't know what his what happened to him after i don't think the bulls i don't think the bulls have won another championship so i mean that no. kind of says it all they may have been successful a few years without mike but i don't think kraus was ever able to build another championship team no and if anyone wants to see napoleon syndrome at its finest watch this doc and you'll see it for sure <laughs> yeah and you get to see michael messing with him all the time right. i was like man kind of a dick <laughs> and the other doc that's huge especially with wrestling fans is dark side of the ring have you been keeping up with this yeah, I, I haven't seen Dino Bravo's episode okay. yet, but I saw the other ones. Uh, what, I saw the ones from the first season, and I, I said yeah. it to Disco and Conan last week. I, I think it was on Patreon, but okay. I'm looking forward to the UWF one because that, to me, is like uh, oh. the wild one of the wildest wrestling stories. The UWF and Herb Abrams is coming up like in two weeks or something, and that's going to be a whole lot of fun because the UWF was was a crazy train wreck, and this guy was uh, he was a maniac <laughs> from what I understand. And there's not too much like with. You know, Dark Side of the Ring had a Montreal Screwjob episode, and, and right. to be honest, who among the wrestling fans doesn't know 90% of all details about that already? That's that show true. wasn't going to teach me anything. Right. So when they, when they delve into something like the UWF and Herb Abrams or, or Dino Bravo's assassination, I'm like, yeah, I don't know much about this. This is new, you know? Mm-hmm. So I'm looking forward to that. It's a great series, though, and I think Jericho's done a great job as narrator as well. Yeah, no kidding. So which one's your favorite episode to date so far? Um... It's a weird favorite, but I think the Benoit ones probably. Mm. You know, it's your your favorite, such a shitty thing, but those are probably the the best ones and had stuff that I wasn't aware of and information I didn't know. You know, Uh, I didn't really like the New Jack one too much. Uh, Snooka, I wasn't. Snooka was good, but I wasn't surprised by anything. You know, Mm. the previous season, the Bruiser Brody episode was probably my favorite as well. So, the two most morbid ones seem to have been my favorites. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, because I had uh, Tyson Dukes on, who actually played uh, Chris Benoit on the yeah. Dark Side of the Ring episodes, and we were talking about it, and I even asked him from his perspective, playing him and also being a Canadian wrestler looking up to him, if he could distinguish and pull apart the wrestler from what he did, and his short answer was, yeah, he could, because he knew Benoit before, and he also saw what happened after, right? So he looks at Benoit as his form of art, and then Benoit, who ended up killing himself and his family, right? So how do you see it? I I don't think I ever had a problem watching his matches. Like I wasn't one of those people who was, that it's going to take me ten years to watch a Benoit match. Like I can okay. watch a Benoit match, but there's still something creeping in my head when I watch it, or I watch his mannerisms, or I watch him do a move and hit his head, or take a chair, or do a headbutt, and, right. and you not think about what happened when you see some of the physical shit that he did. That's true, you know. And he just. Uh, I can still watch his matches. I was a, I was a big fan in the late '90s, of course, like anybody else. And I was watching WrestleMania 20 when he won the belts, and that was a big moment. And actually, when when that happened, that was one of the catalysts for me to stop watching for a while. Back then, mm. I was like, man, this 
business is too much, you know. Right. There, in a short period of time, uh, Chris Candido died, and, right. and that story affected me because he was a guy that had his problems, turned it around, was like probably on his way to another WWE run, mm-hmm. and then randomly broke his leg and died of a, of a blood clot or whatever. That's crazy. And it was like, wow, wrestling killed this guy. And then Eddie Guerrero died, and you're like, oh, yeah. man, wrestling killed this guy. <laughs> and then the Benoit thing happens, and they're all within 16 months or something, right? and it's like, fuck. I'm not watching anymore. Like, I, it really soured me on, you know, without, you know, no, no pun intended, or whatever. It soured me on the dark side of wrestling. Yeah. I mean, this shit is, it's there's so many, and now you see dark side of the ring. And my wife's like, how many more dark stories are there? And I'm like, a lot, <laughs> a right. lot. Man. It's so true. Well, again, people, it's good for people to know about this and wrestling. So, because. Obviously, us being in wrestling or watching wrestling and associated with wrestling, we know wrestling's fake, yes, no one likes to use that word, whatever, and it's scripted, but we all know it's still, there's still a real side to it. And without the dark side, people won't put two and two together and still think it's that stupid fake shit you see on TV, you know what I mean? So I actually think it serves a purpose to a certain point. But it is gruesome, and if you don't have the stomach for it, then don't watch it. Right, right. Okay, well, before we get into the Dumbass of the Week, anything else you've been watching? Any Netflix shows? Anything on your radar or do you want to watch? Yeah, no, I got to watch Ozark. I haven't watched okay. Ozark yet. And, uh, I know that's like the big, you know, mm-hmm. people are always like, love it to, to breaking bad or whatever. And I'm like, well, you know, I, I guess it's three seasons and I can give it a shot. Now I haven't, I've been lucky. I haven't seen any spoilers. I don't okay. know too much about it. I just know that it's supposed to be very good. Right. Uh, but, but I'm, I'm a habitual like rewatcher. Like I've seen The Sopranos a thousand times. I've watched Mad Men several times, Breaking Bad, Six mm, Feet Under, okay. Deadwood. I tend to watch a lot of the same shows. Sure. Like I, I just get trapped in a wormhole. And it took me years <laughs> to watch Breaking Bad or Mad Men. But then when I finally did, you know, I rewatched a few times. So that's just the kind of viewer I am. There's nothing knocking my door down right now that's on. I don't think. I just know that Ozark is probably probably something I should keep an eye on. Yeah, you'll like it, but you can't compare it to all those other shows you mentioned. It's good, but I think because it's still happening and it's not finished, it has potential to be one of the greatest, but I hate when people always slap that term on, especially when it's still sort of new, because then it, for people like yourself who've been waiting, then you go in with such high expectation, you're like, yeah, it, it's okay, but no, it, it, it's fairly good. Right. So, you ready for the Dumbass of the Week? Oh, absolutely. All right. Okay, usually I ask my guests if they could if they could relate to the dumbass or whatnot, but unless you're into this shit, it's totally up to you. I don't know. I'm not here to judge. But, <laughs> okay, have you ever done any, like, home remedy type things to try and cure yourself? Because, again, being from the States, you guys don't have free health care like us in, in Canada, so any little scratch, we could run to the hospital and get it taken care of, right? So I'm sure it probably yeah. happens more often than not in the States. But do you have any, like, home remedies that you do that, Probably don't work, but you just do it because your mom and your grandmother told you to do it. Nothing, nothing that I can think of, but I can tell you that, uh, and it's funny because it's it's wrestling related as well. Perfect. When uh, I had a bunch of friends together at my, it was one of the, I think it was the first time that I moved out, and I had a big party house in my, uh, you know, early twenties. Okay. And the first ECW one night stand was on. Nice. Two. Five. And being from the Philly area, it was a huge deal. Mm-hmm. And we were all drunken wrestling fans, and we still <laughs> went to indie shows every now and then. And we had all done the backyard wrestling or whatever. Right. So after the ECW show ends, it turns into fucking the Royal Rumble in my living room. <laughs> of course. 
And there's this big metal sign that a friend of mine stole from a park, and I can't remember what it said. It was just like a uh, "Do not enter" in the rules of the park or something. I don't know why he stole it. I don't know what the, what the mindset was. You know, nobody knows what the mindset is when you're in your early twenties. Sure. So it was it was up on the wall, and I took it off and I laid it out like a table. Okay. And I picked up my friend and I did a move to him through the table, and as I did it, <laughs> it was summertime, so okay. I was wearing shorts, and oh, the no. the edge of the sign cut right through my ankle above my foot. Ouch. And. I was drunk, and we're getting ready to go out and go to the bar. Mm. So I'm a genius. I just put a I just put a wad of paper towels on the cut, and like we taped it around <laughs> my ankle. Okay, fucking, I'm going to the bar. Sure. So that was my home remedy for that. But it continues after that. We go oh, to the no. bar, and I okay. kind of realize that I'm bleeding. You know, I'm losing some blood. I'm getting lightheaded, and I sure. and I take off the the makeshift bandage in the bathroom, and I look at it, and I go, "Fuck, I might need some stitches." Right? I gotta go to the hospital. Yeah, yeah. So we go to the hospital, and at the time, my aunt was working in reception at the emergency room. So she's like, what the fuck? You know, I'm like, here's what happened. <laughs> she's like, when did, when did you cut your leg? I'm like, about 1045. She's like, it's 2 o'clock. What's going on? I'm like, we went to the bar. She's right. like, you're fucking unbelievable. <laughs> so I go in. I get four or five of these big fish hook stitches, like the thick boys, you know, to, to close this goddamn wound up. Sure. And I miss a little bit of work because I never really – it was like my first – uh, first time I got stitches anywhere like that, and the next day I woke up and I couldn't walk. You know, it's just it was just that sore. So I had to take nice. a few days off from work, go back to work, and that next weekend, I'm telling my friend, I'm like, yeah, I'm supposed to go to the uh, go to the doctor and get the stitches taken out. He's like, I could take your stitches out. <laughs> and of course, probably already drinking. I don't remember that part of it. I'm like, really? He's like, yeah, it's easy as shit. You don't. Do you feel like going to the doctor? I'm like, not really. Yeah. I hate the doctor. He's like, I can take those stitches out. By God. Oh so pair of scissors snip snip pulls the stitches out we're good to go home remedy right i have the fucking thickest nastiest scar you've ever seen in your life on my right ankle from this this gaping wound that i had from living room wrestling after an ecw pay-per-view and not 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 only that walking around on it and then to top it off not getting the stitches removed properly so that's the closest i can give you for like a home remedy it was a home treatment of a wound that i i you know we did it the wrong way and then i got the stitches taken out the wrong way well that doesn't sound too bad that's more bro science than anything though yeah yeah yeah. i could take those fucking stitches (laughs) out exactly yeah because i got stories like that too like oh you roll your ankle ah just walk on it you'll feel better don't worry about it instead of putting ice or anything like you know what i mean it's just one of those things that you just have to tough it out (laughs) Yeah, I think I sprayed my ankle. Here, have some scotch. Yeah. Oh, yeah, cool. <laughs> yes, that too. <laughs> Perfect. Okay, well, this one, uh, this doesn't even compare to what you just said. Anyways, okay. Like I said, if you're into this, you're into this. If you're not, then I don't know. But a lot of people suffer from hemorrhoids, especially older people when you, you know, you've been pushing a lot, a lot of stuff comes out. It's, it's going to tend to happen. So the newest home remedy for hemorrhoids is to shove frozen potatoes up your ass. No, thank you. <laughs> and uh, not to get not to get too personal, but I, I have had some some hemorrhoid issues in the last few years, and, okay. and and you don't know how annoying and painful that they can be until you have a bad day, right? So uh, believe me, when you have some sort of flare up or whatever, you <laughs> might be willing to do anything to make that pain and annoyance and irritation go away. However, I will not be going the frozen potato route. I don't that to me that sounds like it just exacerbates the situation. See, the way I look at it with some of these things cuz I've had another dumbass, I can't remember what guest it was with, but in essence it was uh people were trying to get extra vitamin D, so they were uh, sunbathing their assholes. 
Now, the problem with that is, is that's very sensitive skin. So it burns instantly. And then imagine having a burnt asshole. Yeah, yeah. That's I'll stick with getting like a surprise burn on my feet. That's, that's <laughs> enough for me. Right? So my whole thing is with these people is I think they just want an excuse to play with their asshole. That's a good point. Yeah, yeah. If they if they need vitamin D in that area and color and a tan maybe, they're they're definitely considering some asshole play for sure. <laughs> oh my god. Well, Joe, thanks for coming aboard. Really appreciate you taking your time. Uh well, not your time, but taking time out of your busy day to talk to me for an hour or so. So now's your time. Plug your shit where people could find you. Anything up and coming? Yeah, well, I'm on uh The Raven Effect on MLW Radio every Monday. I'm on Keeping It 100. It comes out every Thursday. Uh, my podcast, Creative Control, it, it's called Creative Control Daily, but rest assured, it does not come out on a daily basis anymore. <laughs> it just, it just hasn't. I don't know. I, 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 my intentions were good, believe me, but you know, I, I just have so many other things going on and whatever that it's just, it comes out when I can and when I have an interesting guest. I, like I said, I had Stephen Shripper from The Sopranos on the other day. Uh, that was very, very cool being a big fan of the show and he was on plugging his podcast and tell me his theories about the show and stuff and did very well. Uh, the numbers were very good. So check out creative control daily. Uh, there is good stuff in the catalog for sure. And I think it'll have more of an active may than it did April. Um, well, the Creative Control Network, as we discussed, has a multitude of shows. We've got Shane Helms, we've got Road Warrior Animal, Husey's on there, Mike Durbin, Hambone, The Four Sportsmen, Wayback Playback with Pat McNeil and Jim Bailey. You got an honorable mention, the Ring of Honor retrospective show. What's your favorite with Jamie Irwin? I don't think I missed anyone there. Sometimes I do, sometimes I don't. But uh, those guys, you can find all their shows on all the, the, the usual suspects, Spotify and iTunes and uh, but we're all we're hosting on a slate called Spreaker. Nice. Oh, for the from the bedroom to the booth is another show. That's the Irish DJ show. Oh, wow. You like club music? If you're a DJ, you want some funny DJ stories? Boom! There you go. Uh, the Creative Control Network is hosted on Spreaker. So if you go on Spreaker and search for the Creative Control Network, you you can subscribe to all the shows, right? But you mm-hmm. know, if maybe you want to hear one or two, or you just want to hear Shane Holmes' show or whatever, hey. Whatever, I don't blame you. It's uh, iTunes and Spotify and Podcast Addict and everywhere you can find them, you know. Uh, and also you can find me on Twitter at JFFeeny3RD, uh, J-F-F-E-E-N-E-Y, the number 3RD, jfeeny 3rd and the Creative Control Network at the CC Network 1. And uh, also I have a T-shirt store on Pro Wrestling Tees, ProWrestlingTees.com slash CC with Joe Feeney. And after all that, that is finally... Finally, the end of the plugs. <laughs> and for myself, you can find me on inter- on Instagram. Wow, on Instagram and Twitter under Finger Styles, and you can follow the podcast on Twitter, the podcast app. Email us your thoughts, suggestions, comments, anything you want to get off your chest at the podcast app at gmail rewind to the top of the show support to find sponsors because if it helps them out helps me out click on the link support me directly but please rate subscribe review on all major platforms and if you're listening to me for the very first time because of joe feeney thank you very much if you're into wrestling go back to the catalog i've had guests from former roh champ pco former tna champ ken anderson former ring of honor owner kerry silken former cruiserweight champion tjp and more and obviously, if you're not into wrestling, there's video game personalities. I've had MMA fighters, UFC fighters, comedians, all that sort of stuff. So I sort of dabble in a little bit of everything. So sort of whatever I'm into, I pretty much get on the show. So look out for all that. And obviously, upcoming guests. There's a lot coming down the pipe because we're all home. We're all bored. So the phone's been off the hook. All good, my friend? 
Yeah, absolutely. And I, just, I wanted to say I had a really good time with the interview. It's good to get on a show where you know someone's someone knows what they're doing and they're <laughs> Thank uh, you, you know they seem to be an experienced interview. You come across very experienced. It's a great show, and you know you had my attention the whole time, and the questions were different. And I think that's that's the name of the game is, is putting something a little different out there and keeping not only your listeners engaged, but, but keeping that guest interested too. Cause I've heard and been a part of some interviews where right. you can tell someone's interest is absolutely waning, yes. you know? So this was, this was a lot of fun, man. I appreciate it. Oh, thank, don't worry. When I first started, I could tell I had a lot of guests who are like, get me the fuck out of here. And you could just see it and hear it. <laughs> and I'm like, Oh, I got to get better. I got to be better. So f- to hear from another professional than yourself, that's very good. And since you said that, I got to throw it out there too. If you ever need another podcast on your network, you know where to find me. So just hit me up, my friend. Well, you know I like to go international. So being Ooh. that you're uh, you're Canadian, that could be maybe it's time to, to break into the Great White North. Well, I've had a lot of Canadian independent wrestlers on as well that a lot of people haven't heard of that you will be seeing on TV shortly. So, hey, you, you never know. On that note, he's Joe. I'm Steve. This is the podcast. Peace.